1: Hey, Kristen. Hey, Jalenta. It's been one week since we live by the wild, unknown tarot deck and guidebooks. And you know what that means, girl.
0: It's time to draw a card that tells us we're going to die.
1: No, it is time for another by the book mini episode. Oh, thank God. That's right. It's time for another By the Book epilogue. This week, we're looking at the aftermath of living by the wild unknown tarot deck and guidebook. And bonus, we'll also be joined during the second half of the show by Walt Hickey from 538, who's investigated the accuracy of tarot cards. Ooh, I'm so excited
0: for that part I of the show. I know. But
1: first, let's get to some listener mail. You all had a lot to say about tarot. Oh my gosh,
0: so much. So let's start with Michelle, who wrote to us on Facebook. Michelle says... Kristen, I love your take on the Wild Unknown book, and your whole experience with tarot was a real nail-biter. But please, do not worry that you were co-opting someone else's religion. Tarot evolved from a style of Italian and French playing cards in roughly the 15 to 1600s, and its occult or mystical use really took off in the early 1900s after an English ceremonial magician named Pamela Coleman-Smith was hired to design and illustrate a specifically occult deck. A lot of the way tarot cards are interpreted today stems from that one deck and its guidebook. Artists from many different faiths, cultures, and countries have made their own versions of the images. I think it's so cool that tarot art continues to change and become more inclusive and that you can add elements of your own culture, religion, and identity, yet everyone can still read with your deck. Someday I hope to create my own tarot deck. Mm. Love it, Michelle. I got to say, that's reassuring because I really was a little bit afraid. Oh, totally. Am I just... Like, Like, is this
1: just Kabbalah or something? Like, I don't know. Oh,
0: God. Is it like the same as me going and taking catechism at a Catholic church? And then being like,
1: that's a fun party game. No, but that's at a church. I feel like you would know. Yeah, that that would be more (laughs)
0: obvious. Yes, yes. I did find that very reassuring because, you know, the wild unknown book didn't actually explain any of the history or mm-hmm. any of the yeah, they really reasons didn't. behind all of this so and then there actually is a celtic cross yeah that's being. one of the spreads yeah like, that's one of the spreads. I, so I like, guess it's
1: just the shape I don't, yeah I guess it it's, it's shaped like sort of a T, elongated
0: T, which looks like a cross. Yeah, so that makes me feel better. And a number of people echoed what Michelle wrote in about there are more Mm -hmm. inclusive decks nowadays. Right. Someone
1: on, uh, there's a whole Facebook thread about decks people like to use, decks that have Kickstarters that are all ethnicities and backgrounds. Like there's a lot to choose from that's way more inclusive. And I guess it does make sense now that I know. This comes from Italy and France that, like, yeah, the original people depicted are probably white.
0: Yeah. So all of that was very reassuring. And, Michelle, we loved getting your letter. So thanks so much for writing in with that.
1: Up next, we have some tarot deck advice that was emailed to us by Laura. She says, Hi, Jalenta and Kristen. I really enjoyed your episode on the Wild Unknown tarot, and I'm glad Kristen managed to work through her tarot anxiety by the end. I'm a fortune-telling skeptic who loves tarot cards for their weird symbolism and art. I like looking through different decks, and I usually do a card-a-day drawing to give myself something to think about or journal on. I find the ritual of it very relaxing, like Jolenta. Free associating about the imagery of the cards often helps me think through problems and get creative in my daily life. I really liked Kristen's observation that a tarot reading is like a Rorschach test. I feel like the cards can't tell me anything that isn't already inside my brain, but it sometimes helps me make sense of what's in there. Laura goes on to say, I think the wild unknown, while beautiful, is actually a bit too abstract of a deck for a beginner. The famous Rider-Waite-Smith deck has more literal images on each card, especially in the minor arcana, which can make them easier to meditate on and remember. And it's easier to tell what the suits and
0: the numbers are. Mm, So that is the same deck that Michelle wrote about. Right. The Smith Smith
1: Illustrated Rider Waite. And Rider Waite is like your traditional tarot deck. Like that's what most people start with, I think. Yeah. But everybody's
0: white on those cards, too. I looked at the cards. No, they are all
1: white on that for sure. And that's because they were the ones like straight out of Europe, apparently, in the early 1900s. So I get it. And basically, everyone who emailed us that, that is familiar with tarot or that wrote on our Facebook group, they all say, like, take your time and find a deck that has imagery that resonates with you, which we did not do. We took our time to find a bestseller. So we thought, of course it would resonate with us. We didn't even think about it, it resonating at all. So it's interesting to know that apparently the normal way to get tarot is to, like, look and touch
0: also, I'm so glad that Laura points out that some of these other decks actually have clear numbers and suits. Yeah, I felt it like wasn't such clear. a dum dumb reading those cards. I'm like, I don't know what number this card is. Something
1: I remembered just now was I had a lot of trouble mixing up um, wands and and swords. Swords, yes, yeah. yeah, they looked really similar. Like I like did my own readings wrong a couple times because I thought some swords were
0: wands. Yeah.
1: I, so it's just, yeah, I needed something clearly for a beginner. Like, we need something with more background, more history.
0: It's funny, though, because you actually have some history. With I, do, I, I do. I do. And you were even confused yeah, by yeah. the duck we chose. It's true. And now we have to talk a little bit about the fact that lots of listeners wrote in after Cameron posted pictures of the duck we were dealing with. Oh, right. Yeah, right. yeah. So... Cameron, you very kindly, as if to show to the listeners, I wasn't just being crazy by being scared of the wild unknown tarot deck. I actually was legitimately freaked out for reasons that were apparent once you posted some pictures of the cards. And then I gave you the tarot deck to live by and the book after we were done with the episode. And so, Cameron, tell us a little bit about how you've been reacting to these cards and, you know, their imagery, and you're trying to live by this deck now.
1: Is he living by the deck, Kristen?
0: That's a bold statement. Yeah,
2: I don't know if I'm living by it exactly. You're doing it every
0: day. We sit two desks apart, and I see you with those cards now. You do it every day? i
2: have just done a card a day reading where, like, right Mm -hmm. when I get into work in the morning, I shuffle and I ask the question, what should I be focusing on today, which is, I think, what the guidebook recommends Mm -hmm. that you should do, and then I just pull one off the top and... I have not pulled any scary cards yet, so I have not gone into any sort of Kristen-style tailspin yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, I did do something today where uh, my coworker who sits next to me, Odelia, was having a bit of a work-related problem when I was drawing my card, and I was like, you should draw a card, and I had her shuffle them. And ask her question while she was shuffling them, and then she pulled a card, and she pulled the scariest card in the deck. She pulled that nine of swords. That oh, the one I with like on eyeballs and day. like twisted guts and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the by far the spookiest one. And she was like, "Oh God, this is not helpful." So <laughs> I think that card in particular is the scariest one. If you do pull a scary one, I could see how it could be kind of like a shadow cast over your day, because mm-hmm. I do think the positive ones are kind of like a little, they do, like, kind of increase my mood or mm-hmm. make me more optimistic about oh, nice. what's to come in a very small way. And I've also been, like, I set up the card next to my deck so I can look at it throughout the day. If oh, I my want. God. Wow. Karen. Yeah. Well, I keep pulling, like, I've pulled three cards, and they've mm-hmm. all had sort of a similar pattern, surprisingly. They've all been kind of about... Like clear headedness mm-hmm. and just like responsible decision making. Mm. So it's actually kind of a nice little thing. If I'm feeling stressed, I can like look at whatever the picture of the lion with a rose in its mouth. That was Ooh. one of oh, that's them. A that nice was actually one. kind yeah. of a pleasant image to go back to.
0: Mm. So would you recommend that other people do this dot cam or? I mean, in light of my reaction to
2: it. I would definitely recommend getting a different deck. When I posted that picture in the Facebook community page, and if you have not joined the Facebook community page, you should do that, uh, people posted what their decks looked like, and... They were just so much nicer. I would say
1: however. every card someone posted a picture of definitely looked gentler than yeah, the deck yeah, yeah. we used.
2: That Nine of Swords, I don't know where that came from because I Googled Nine of Swords and it was a picture of like a woman crying, which is not a positive thing, really, but like.
1: It's a gentle image, though. Yeah. yeah.
2: What is this? Eyeballs and worms and I don't know. a horn and like, I don't know. It was like they just decided to put a bunch of random scary images together for no reason.
1: I think Bobby, who responded to the image on Twitter, put it best. When he said, "That's some serious nightmare fuel." I think that is perfectly put.
0: Nightmare fuel that will contextualize your life, Kristen. And yet, Cam, we're glad you're living by this nightmare, so I don't have to anymore. Yeah, you betcha. Um, I love how many people wrote to us about your ADHD diagnosis, Jolanta. We have the best listeners, and they're so supportive. Let's listen to this voicemail from Catherine. I was diagnosed with ADD. I do not have
3: the hyperactivity portion. I was diagnosed about 28 or 29. I'm 30, I'll be 32 this year. And so a late diagnosis is actually very common in women who oftentimes display other symptoms um, that could be interpreted as anxiety or depression or have comorbidities with anxiety and depression like I do. And so I think that there's no, there's no shame in it, obviously, but I think there's an awful lot of power to I know that when I was diagnosed, I had answers for things that I couldn't explain by my diagnosis of depression or anxiety, and I, I found that to be very empowering. So I hope you do too, and I hope that whatever medication or whatever route you take feels like further empowerment for you to live your, your as your best self.
1: Catherine, thank you so much for that call. Thank you so much for what you said. I am learning so much about my anxiety and my depression and, like, why I have never been able to let go of my anxiety because it, like, keeps me on track and I'm – you know, trying some new medication. It's early on. But I'm, I'm noticing some huge changes. I just I feel like my mind is quieter. I'm able to focus. Apparently focus, Kristen. I just learned this <laughs> is not a recipe of like the perfect time of day and the perfect amount of interest you have. And like, hold on, it's not the right temperature. Waking up miraculously
0: at the no, same time every day.
1: Like I had a moment for the first time where I was doing something I didn't care about. And normally I would just this is the stupidest story, but I was refilling water that we keep in the fridge. And normally I would finish the container of water and leave it out and like refill it next time I want water. But I was like, no, I'm going to choose to refill it and put it away. And then I was like, oh my God, I just chose to focus on something. It wasn't like, you know, spirit moving me or whatever. I was like, people, this is why everyone was so mad at me my entire life. Like, cause I didn't know you could do this. I didn't know you could just, like, be deliberate. Like, I've never had that ability before. And now you do. It's insane. It's fleeting right now, but I'm learning about it, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, no wonder. I mean, I really wish things could have been handled differently in my past, in my childhood, especially in high school. Uh, Also learned that for women... Uh, Their hormones make it so ADHD symptoms become more apparent during puberty as opposed to like old diagnostic standards, which are like if you're a little white boy and someone hasn't mentioned ADHD by the time you're six, like you don't have it. Mm. So I'm, I'm just learning a shit ton. Wow! Um, And thank you so much for everyone who's reaching out and talking about um, so many women are diagnosed around my age in their 30s, late 20s. Like, it's just really nice to know I'm not alone and to know all of these weird private issues I've had are not because I'm I'm broken. Well I guess they are because I'm broken. No, my brain is broken. You're not no. <laughs>
0: broken. We're all wired differently. No, but it's all just I'm wired, wired differently. differently
1: and it's not that like I can't function in society or like I'm truly a black sheep. But like my brain is different and I uh, have found ways to wake at work that make me seem weird to other people, but now maybe I'll find the other way. So
0: many listeners love you and yeah. and feel exactly what you're it's feeling. It's just yeah, I'm it's so saying.
1: nice to hear from other people in the same boat cuz it is a bizarre experience.
0: Well, wow. I'm glad that not only are our listeners so supportive, but the tarot cards helped you. I reckon with it. They really did. All right, so thank you cam and thanks to all of the listeners who wrote in with their experiences with Tara with their advice for us we got a ton of letters this week. that's just a few but we're not gonna read any more letters because after the break we're gonna be talking with our expert from 538 our statistician stay with us. Do you ever find yourself waiting through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter? Wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we're back with a very special guest. Walt Hickey is here. He's a writer for 538. As you may know, 538 is the blog that was founded by Nate Silver, the statistician who successfully called the outcomes of 49 out of the 50 states in the 2008 U.S. presidential election. The site uses hard numbers to tell compelling stories about elections, politics, sports science, economics, and in this case, Tarot. Yes, tarot. That's because Walt Hickey, on behalf of 538, embarked on tarot card readings to see how accurate they were and to see how they could change his life. Walt Hickey, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you so much for having me. This is a ton of fun. I love this topic. Oh, oh good, good.
0: Well, Talenta, I'll let you start with the yes. first question.
1: Well, Walt, can you just tell us about your experiment? How did it work?
3: What did you do? Where did you go? Yeah, sure. So, um in 2014, we thought it would be really interesting to try to, you know, get inside other forecasts. So, like you were saying, what we do is we predict elections, we predict sporting events. We we use st- statistics and You know methodology to approach questions of what's going to happen next using math. And that's not the only way people predict stuff. Now, we think our method's really good, but what we wanted to do was we wanted to kind of see, well, if other folks are making predictions and if people are trusting those predictions, like how many people you read the astrology pages, how many people go to tarot card readers, we want to be able to kind of gauge like, well, are these statistically-based predictions? Like, like, are the forecasts that these folks are saying related to what we'd actually expect in the real world? So the gist was I went to a tarot card reader. Her name is Angela Lucy. She works down in uh, Midtown. And she w- agreed that, yeah, I'll do a tarot card reading for you. And uh, And what we did essentially was I took her any kind of, like, prediction forecast, things like that, And um, essentially what we did was we just kind of cranked the numbers on it. We found out what the chances were that I would meet a redhead at some point in the next six months, that kind of thing.
0: So hold on. Let's go step by step through some of the things you were asking about. So you're implying that there's romance there. What specifically were you asking about romance? What were you asking about the other parts of your life?
3: Well, so we tried to cast a pretty wide net. Um, And believe me, in 2014, I had no lack of problems to start asking people about the future. (laughs) I was single. I was new at my gig. Uh, New York is crazy. All my friends were getting married. It was a weird time for me. Uh, So we really just kind of ran the gamut. I was like, hey, I'm single at the moment. How are we looking in the future? Uh, I was like, hey, my job's an interesting place, but it's also a brand new website, so everything's a nightmare. How's it gonna go? And basically just kind of ask them, hey, what what do you see coming? And so we did everything. We broke it down to a couple major uh, requirements. So we looked at, like again, how are my friends doing and my relationship with them? How's my occupation doing? Will I meet somebody coming up soon? Uh, anybody else? Like, is there a person that I should be on the lookout for? Uh, even some other stuff. Like, like, she made a prediction that I would go boating, uh, and you know, we had a conversation, and we she gave me a reading as she would any other person, and and the idea was what comes next, and and then what we did was we looked up the numbers behind that. Amazing. So
0: let's hear about how accurate those numbers
3: are. Well, you know, it was really interesting how some of those work. So, for instance, she mentioned that I would meet a woman with brown or red hair. And that was a person of interest that would come up. And this was, we did this in September. So um, mm-hmm. it was, it, over the next three months, I would meet a woman with brown or red hair who would have some importance in my life. Um, and what ended up <laughs> happening is, like, first of all, a lot of women have brown or red hair. Um, I think that you're looking at something like uh, New York is 53 percent of women and 78 percent of the Northeast U.S. population has brown or red hair. So literally 41 percent of humans that I will meet in New York probably have brown or red hair. Right. So Kristen and I live in New York and I would say we both consider ourselves to have brown hair. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I mean like had this been in, in the in the fall of 2014 I would have I'd, nailed it. Got it. Somebody important in my life. So um, so but this ended up coming true. I mean, I mean, we'd expect that if I met twelve people, that there's like a ninety-nine percent chance that one of them would be a woman who had brown or red hair. But hey, my roommate started dating this woman who had brown hair.
0: Your roommate's girlfriend? Come Mm, on. Yeah, I feel like that's a bit of a reach. That's a reach. That's not your own girlfriend. But has she like
1: changed your life a lot? Who knows? Maybe she got him a job or something. I don't know. Like, what happened with you two?
3: I understated that a bit. The the roommate at the time was one of my best friends. I've known the guy since middle school. So, um, him getting this long term girlfriend, who he's he is still seeing to this very day, Mm -hmm. was Pretty big deal, actually. So, I, so I, it's honestly, like a, a real addition to your friend group. This is a real addition to my life. Brittany's a permanent fixture. It's pretty great. Okay, <laughs> okay. All so, right. Noah, that on that front, she really I'll nailed give it. 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 Oh. In the the okay. depth of history.
0: That makes sense. All then. right, all right.
3: Yeah. Um, so, we kind of see things like that. Dating. Um, she had a like a, a bearish bet on my immediate dating future. She essentially said that um, people around you think that you're sad and think that you need somebody and that your friends think that you're lonely, which, wow, that was great to put into print. Um <laughs> oh, fun, yeah. <laughs> um, but essentially, like, listen, a New York City psychic is going to get a lot of mileage guessing that a single person... Uh, has had some right. dating trouble. Uh, yeah. This city yeah. is, is full, uh, because if you actually like, crank out the numbers and compare it to other American cities, like you, you have cities like Salt Lake City where people are more likely to be in a relationship, or Milwaukee or Memphis, or, 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 or but then you have places like LA and New York uh, or San Francisco where you are just lousy with people who are single. So, hey, strolling up to a psychic and having them roll the bones and say, hey, you look like you're in your mid-20s, you look like you're single, that is a pretty reliable bet. Right,
1: right. Also, didn't she said... I'm I'm looking at what you wrote. She said you want someone who's confident and stable, yeah. which, like, we you all know do, what? right? I want, I want somebody who's abusive and angry. <laughs> I want someone who's incredibly <laughs> unstable yeah. and that needs me to bolster their self-esteem constantly. Right? Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to just go down the abyss with somebody. That's the plan. Right, right yeah. <laughs> um, she essentially said that even though you're looking for a relationship, you're not going to succeed this summer but you may have luck around christmas time first one of them wrong no i did not succeed this summer uh mm-hmm. and then did not have something around christmas time so you know kind of a tied up game when it comes to uh, yeah uh, d- uh, dating but again it was um it's an interesting idea that you can use the ambient probabilities of just like what you would expect to kind of make predictions about people and a lot of times You're able to kind of throw things out there and see how they react, and then obviously kind of pivot to. That's one of the. That's really what some of the advantage of this is.
1: I really wanted to talk to you about your work predictions because (laughs) I thought those were the boldest. Those to me would be the most surprising to hear, probably.
3: Yeah. So the gist of the work uh, predictions were that I am not completely comfortable at work. I am new there, and I'm already wondering if I want to leave. And that is just reading the room with a millennial across the table. Mm So, r- realistically, it's it, job satisfaction is kind of a fascinating thing. I I had told her I was a writer. Obviously, I was going to write a piece about this. And and so, writers in general are not super satisfied all the time with their work. So, it's kind of a 50-50 shot. We found a 2007 paper that found that 52.9% of editors and reporters were very satisfied with their jobs, hmm. uh, which means that, you know, the rest are not. Right. So, <laughs> um, if you are willing to kind of take that risk of, hey, you're not super comfortable at your job, then I mean, like, that's a pretty reliable prediction when talking to somebody who writes for their job.
0: So am I wrong here, Walt, that the takeaway here is that it's not necessarily that tarot card readings are more or less accurate than anything else. It's just that tarot card readers happen to know the statistics of the town that they're working in.
3: Yeah, Kristen, I think that's such a good analysis of it. The idea is that I think that it's not necessarily that they are really just kind of being super general i think that there's a couple things that i mean they are readers and whether or not they're reading the cards or whether or not they're reading you and how you react to what you provoke that i think is where a lot of the the expertise of it comes i don't think like i don't think that these folks are charlatans by any stretch i think that you know what you're paying for that you are paying for an analysis section that may be informed by their previous experience and their previous experience may be informed by uh bureau of labor statistics right mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I don't know if necessarily they are casting a wide net, but I feel like one of the big appeals of it is that like first of all, it's very nice to talk to people who you don't personally know about your deepest darkest feelings and fears, right? this is uh it's it's a somewhat invigorating experience to kind of get it all out there, right? And I think that one of the core appeals and what makes a good tarot card reader, a good tarot card reader is that they're able to blend both what the reactions of the people that they're speaking to are and also what they know is, you know, a pretty common problem. I mean, job satisfaction in in New York is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty variable. And, and if you walk up to a rando on the street and say, hey, you happy with your gig? Realistically, I'd say more often than not, you're going to get a no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So it sounds like you actually had a really good experience with having your cards read, Walt. Would you then recommend that other people do it?
3: Yes, I absolutely oh, nice. would. I know that it's weird to hear... A like stat nerd who who likes facts and things who is a journalist say oh yeah just go do this crazy frivolous uh, thing but no I I think it's like super informative I think it's like the same reason that in general people should probably be getting more therapy Mm -hmm. than they get Mm. yes (laughs) Um, I think I think it's very good to have somebody kind of say hey how do you feel about this future of yours and then you can't I think that any contemplation of the future makes you fundamentally more present. Like I love that about probability, that kind of thinking about what could happen really kind of anchors you to where you are in life at the moment. And I think that people's daily interaction with probability is very limited. It's usually weather reports and sometimes astrology. And I think that any time that you are in serious contemplation of the future, you have a better opportunity to think about what's going on in the present.
0: So well put. I love it. Walt Hickey, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your tarot card experience and for talking hard numbers and statistics with us. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us what your Twitter handle is so folks out there can follow you?
3: Yeah, you can find me at Walt Hickey. uh, And I'm on 538.
0: Thank you so much, Walt. We really appreciate your being
3: with us today. This is a ton of fun. Thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) Thank you again to Walt and thank you, 538. And now...
0: You know what time it is, Jolenta.
1: Oh, it is time to announce next
0: week's book. Oh, my gosh. The next book is... (laughs) The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Will we learn how to be subtle? How many fucks will we actually be forced to give up? Listen next week to find out. Thanks again to our special guest, Walt Hickey at 5:38, and to everybody who reached out this week. Reminder, you can always call us at 505-510-BOOK, or write to us at buythebook at Panoply.fm. And of course, please join that Facebook community that Cameron mentioned, where you can talk with other listeners and share stories of following self-help books in your own lives.
1: Thanks again to our producer and tarot reader, Cameron Drews. Until
0: next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Bye-bye. The subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. Is it fuck or F? It's F. I don't know. It's the subtle F art of not giving a strict K. Whatever it is. The subtle art of not giving an F by <laughs> Mark Manson. Will we learn to be subtle?
1: What exactly is an F and how do we give one?
0: <laughs> Listen next week to find out.